Amen. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's open our Bibles today to uh, a familiar spot, Hebrews chapter 11. And if you didn't, didn't bring your Bible this morning, I think it's on page 809 in the Red Bible there in the pew. As you're finding your place this morning, let me say those fig- figures that I quoted to you earlier. Uh, did not include any of the renovation money. That's over and above that. We're hoping that uh, we're going to start our project rather soon and hoping to get the first part of it done before our Christmas program here in the church, at least the the foyer part of it. Uh, and uh, then right after the first of the year, then we'll come in here and uh, and do this. Uh, we're gonna. It's, this is going to be something we've never tried to do anything like this before. We're going to try to raise money for missions, our Christmas missions offering. We're trying to raise the money to to do the renovation. So you just put your seatbelt on, okay, and uh, get ready for this. Hebrews chapter eleven. Uh, I'd like to talk to you about the people of faith. The writer here of Hebrews teaches. Uh, New Testament believers how to walk by faith by using Old Testament examples. There was a period of time in my ministry that I just, I concentrated so much on the New Testament I almost forgot about the Old Testament. Uh, but now I've, uh, I've rediscovered, so to speak, uh, the Old Testament, how it relates to the New Testament and how God designed this, this, uh, these two Testaments to actually make one book. And so here we find these New Testament Christians struggling with their faith. And so, uh, and so the writer of Hebrews says, listen, I want to encourage you. I, I want to show you how faith has always been a line that has run uh, down through the centuries for those who have believed in God. Faith is like radar. It sees what uh, the naked eye cannot see. And in chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For those of you who like to write in your Bible under the first line there, substance, uh, you can write a few other words that will help you understand that better. You can write the word foundation. You can write the word confident assurance. I believe that's what the New Living Translation says. Uh, You can write the term title deed right there. Now, faith is the title deed of the things hoped for. You know, when you have the title to something, listen, that means you're the owner of it. Now, faith uh, is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence or the conviction of things not seen. You know, Christians have always been noted through the years of people who have conviction. Uh, You know, when when the waves of change come and Christians usually stand strong and they say, listen, this is my conviction. This is the way I feel about this thing. Well, faith uh, produces conviction in our life. And in verse 2 it says, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Uh, Whenever God was thinking about the elders, that's the Old Testament patriarchs, he said, listen, I looked at them in approval uh, because they were people of faith. They believed in me. They had conviction. They saw things that uh, other people couldn't see. They had confident assurance in what I said to them, and then they acted on it. And so, therefore, they're approved in my sight. 
By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it he being dead still speaks. It's interesting that these people that lived so many years ago are still being talked about in our society today. Abel still speaks to us. When people die, that's not, the end of their, that's not the end of their testimony on this earth. Many of you are quoting people that, uh, that you knew of old. Many of you are quoting your mother, your father, your grandmother, your grandfather. You're still quoting them. And the impact that they had on your life still lives. They still speak. Well, it's interesting, in biblical times, when God immortalized these people in the Bible... Uh, they are still speaking, and thousands of years later, Abel is one of these speakers. He's trying to speak to you and me. By faith, Enoch was taken away. I think the old translation says translated. It means carried across uh, so that he did not see death and was not found because he was found among the missing. Because God had taken him, For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch was uh, raptured out of this world. And the scripture says in Genesis that he walked with God. Uh, His relatives didn't have to call the funeral home. They called the missing persons department. And they said, listen, he never came home. We don't know where he is. And uh, the Bible says here that the Lord took him. And he took him to heaven. That's where he took him. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen as yet. God warned Noah, judgment is coming. And Noah carried that warning to his culture and to his society. He was divinely warned of things not seen. He moved with godly fear, and that means respect for God. Uh, he didn't have, uh, uh, you know, when you have a father who loves you, uh, you don't, you're not afraid in the, in the strictest sense of being afraid. You have awesome respect for him and awe that he won't hurt you. Well, he may hurt you a little bit, but you know that when he does, uh, he does it with a spirit of love, and that's different than being actually afraid of someone. Uh, he moved with godly fear. He had so much respect for God. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. And I've underlined that in my Bible because in the final analysis, when it's all said and done, when, every, when all of your work on earth is over, uh, this, is, uh, this will be your crowning work right here. This is your crowning work, the saving of your household. Uh, he was concerned about his family, by which he condemned the world and, and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. What I'd like to do today is take these three stories which we've talked about uh, and uh, put them all into one, uh, to one package this morning. First of all, what will we remember Abel for? This is what we're going to remember him for. Abel worshipped God. Let's say that together. Abel worshipped God. Now remember we're talking about faith. And here the writer of Hebrews pulls out of the vast array of people he could choose from, this one single person. Why did he do this? 
Why did he talk about Abel first? He could have talked about someone else first. Uh, he talked about that first because Abel worshipped God. Proverbs 15.8, I think we have that. Let's read it. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Whenever somebody comes with a, with a heart that's not right with God to sacrifice something to him, look at what the Bible says. The Bible says it's an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. If a person is living a righteous and upright life and they come to God, God is delighted when we come to him in prayer. When we come and talk to the Lord, he looks down and he is delighted with us. Uh, and so we have, in this, we have in this discussion of Cain and Abel, uh, we have uh, a picture of both of these. Uh, the sacrifice of the wicked, that was Cain. It was an abomination to God. Abel's sacrifice was accepted. It was according to God's established sacrificial system. Uh, it was a picture of God instituting uh, forgiveness uh, through the substitute of another. And it was a picture of Christ to come. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Hebrews 9, 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. Now, Abel's sacrifice was accepted because he came God's way. He did what God wanted. But Cain's was rejected. And you know the reason why. It was because it was an offering of his own hands. And, you know, we still have this philosophy today. I think I can approach God in my way. Uh, you know, I'm sure he was sincere in his offering, but he was sincerely wrong. There are many people who believe in our culture today that if a person is just sincere, then God will just, that will be good enough. But, you know, I've been sincere and oftentimes sincerely wrong. And Cain was too. His, his offering was rejected. And you remember the story which we talked about. Uh, whenever God rejected Cain's offering, he became very angry, Genesis says. And, you know, anger unchecked is a, is a deadly thing in every person's life. You just think how many times you have become so angry. You know, I like to use the word livid. Have you ever heard that word? It's kind of a scary word, isn't it? How many people here have ever been there? Would you raise your hand? Okay, that's, that's everybody. You didn't all participate, but I know it's everybody anyway. Livid. Uh, it's a dangerous place to be in that condition because the devil has a foothold in our life whenever we hold on to our anger. That's why... That's why Ephesians 4.26 says this, Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. I think the New Living Translation says, Don't give the devil a foothold. Anger always gives the devil a foothold in our life. You know that? Uh, I've almost done some horrific things being mad. You know, I know women sometimes when they get mad, they break dishes. I've heard that story before. I, I heard about one lady that went home and she broke everything in her kitchen. And she, after that, she said, I feel so good. You know, I, I, well, you know, it's better that she did that than something else, right? And I've often thought about breaking things. Ooh, only the grace of God has stopped me. It, you know, that's what we do. Our anger, we just, that's why the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't live with it. 
Well, Cain was angry, and, uh, and God came to him. And I love this story because it, it's just been so fresh to me recently. God tried to counsel Cain, and, uh, and he tried to give him another shot at, at bringing the right kind of offering, but he rejected God's counsel. And then he went out and he killed his brother. And then God came to him again and said, where is your brother? And you remember what he said, am I my what? Am I my brother's keeper? And that's a pretty sarcastic way to speak to God, isn't it? And God says, listen, your brother's blood cries out to you from the ground. Now, there's a parallel in the book of Revelation. Do we have that Revelation 6, uh, 9? We don't. I'll tell you what, let's turn over there. Revelation 6, 9. His blood cries out from the ground. Uh, Abel was a, was a martyr for his faith. Martyrdom is, uh, has always been attached to people who believed in God. People have always had to pay the, uh, the highest price to follow God in this fallen world. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 9, the scripture says, And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Uh, to, be think, to think that uh, people's lives were not only in jeopardy, but they lost their lives because, uh, because they were living by the word of God and they were Christians, their testimony. And look at these people. They cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? This is very interesting to me, and it provokes a lot of thought. Here are these people that uh, are in spirit form, and uh, they are crying out to the Lord, Lord, when are you going to avenge uh, the people that killed us? The response in verse 11 says this, Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while. Heaven is a place of rest, it really is. Our toil is never over until we get there. And uh, when we get there, we're going to finally be able to lay the burden down. Uh, they were given a white robe, and he said, listen, it's, you have to rest for a little while. And, and until, look at this, both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. He said, in effect, there are more coming who are going to lose their life for the faith. And so here we find at the very end of the Bible, they're still losing their life for their faith. In the very opening of the Bible in Abel, he was losing his life for his faith. Uh, there has always been a tremendous price to pay uh, for standing up for God in the world. Uh, it's interesting that as that these people, uh, these individuals here in Revelation chapter 6 were praying... Uh, they, they were experiencing the mercy of God because they were in heaven, but they still believed in the justice of God, that God would exact justice. You know, the Bible says this, that we are not to avenge, uh, to seek revenge, because the scripture says, vengeance is mine, I will what? Repay, says the Lord. And so even though these people were enjoying the, uh, the joys of heaven, they still were concerned that God would execute his justice as well. 
Abel was worshiping God in the right way. And God today is seeking worshipers. Uh, there are three thoughts that uh, by the time we get it, 15 minutes from now, where there are three thoughts we're going to end on. Uh, they are these. Worship, walk, and work. God mentions worship first. Uh, God is seeking worshipers today. But before he can get a worshiper, he seeks us to save us. You just uh, look at it, look at your life and all the circumstances that God put together to bring you to Christ. How God kept cutting you off at the path. God kept attracting you to other people uh, that were around you. I was in a, at an event, uh, you know I travel around a little bit and do these classic car events and, and, uh, and there's so many people there that need the Lord, you know. They're everywhere, aren't they? They're, no matter where you go or where I go and, and I remember uh, this fellow was talking about, uh, he was kind of liking making fun of the Christian things or questioning God. And, and uh, he didn't know I was a, a pastor, and that's always a better position to be in uh, than, uh, than being known. And so uh, he was saying something about his sister, was saying about something about, uh, and I sensed from what he was talking about his sister that his sister was probably a Christian. And if she was a Christian, she was really praying for him, and she just, God just happened to put him next to me. And, you know, that's the way God does it. You know that? That's the way God does it. And, uh, and I just had the chance to really speak up for the Lord, and I gave him this really terrific article about, about salvation. And, and, and God gave me the presence of mind, I think, to answer one of the questions that he was really dealing with. And I noticed after that his attitude really changed. Uh, but, and I, but I was thinking how cool it is how God positions people and he keeps going after them, to, he seeks them to save them. And how just my little part might just be one little, uh, one little part of this man's salvation. God, first of all, Luke 19.10, the Bible says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save. And then he seeks us to worship him. Uh, John 4.23, you know what that says. The hour is coming and now is. I think we have it. Let's read it. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such to worship him. Now, we're talking about Abel's life and Abel worshiped God. And I believe this. I believe that God is seeking me to worship him. I believe that he wants every person to worship him. But in order for him to get proper worship, first of all, they have to have a heart of worship. And, and they have to come to Christ and they have to believe in him. But then he wants us to worship him. One of the great purposes for which we are created is to worship God. Now you just think about how many things in life you've worshipped. And you're saying, oh me. Uh, I have sought th so many things in life and found them. And uh, in the Bible, the Lord says, seek me, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I've said to you before, if I ever had a, a life verse, it would be Matthew 6, And before the end of my life, I might declare that my life verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things should be added to you. Let's read that. You just got to get this, okay? 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Boy, I'll tell you what, I, that verse is the gospel truth. If you seek first God and his righteousness in your life, he's going to take care of you. He's going to, he's going to provide your need, and he's going to give you a life that has purpose and meaning to it. But one of the things that God wants from us is, is our worship. Uh, Psalm 55, 17, I love that. Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and the Lord will hear my voice. How many people in our church this morning know how many times a day Muslims pray? How many people know how many times a day Muslims pray? One, two, just a few. They pray how many? Five times a day, Okay. And so the, the ancient Hebrews, they pay, prayed three times a day. They still do, evening, morning, and at noon while I pray. And uh, I was reading somewhere, and uh, an author said that, uh, that uh, this was for their daily adorations. Daily adorations. That's what God wants from you and me. Uh, when I, you know... When I look back over my life, uh, about 17 or 18 years ago, I really got serious about prayer. And, but, you know, I, I spent so much of my time in my Christian life asking God, badgering him for things. Do you, have you ever fallen into that category? I mean, that's all. When, when, when you show up, God says, oh, no, not again. Holy cow. You know, and, and we have this warped conception that that's what prayer is, you know. And, of course, when you're the pastor of the church, you've got to pray for everybody in the church, and you have to pray for everything in the church, and you have to pray for the budget of the church, and it, there's no end to it. And so I, you know, I felt pretty guilty about badgering God for so many things in my life. And so uh, here a while back I thought, you know, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retrain myself. And, and I'm going to come like the ancient Israelites three times a day not to ask for anything but to give to God my adorations. And uh, I've been practicing that. Uh, I thought to myself, if Muslims pray five times a day to someone who is not God then the least I could do is pray three times a day to someone who is God. And so I bring him three times a day, actually four now, my adorations. Uh, I don't ask for anything I give. I adore the Lord. I have my, uh, my cell phone set for uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, if I'm in a place where I can pray, uh, you know, uh, relatively speaking, uh, I bring to the Lord my adoration. Lord, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will you, they exist and were created. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, said the Lord who was and is and is to come. You are holy, enthroned in the praises of your people. And I just spend a little time just giving God adoration, worship, telling him, uh, extolling him and lifting him up. And I feel really good about that. 
And so uh, do you think it's a, by chance that God put in the Bible that uh, his first person of faith was a person who worshiped God? You see, he, wasn't, he, was, he was bringing something to God. He was bringing a sacrifice. And you know what God wants from us? Listen to this. Uh, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. That's our sacrifice that God wants. Now, I know that uh, I, I still ask God for quite a few things, but I don't let it interrupt my adorations when I give to God. And so let's, uh, let's first of all and foremost, before everything else, adore him. And I know that's hard to do because we're not used to that. We adore other things. We adore our children. Uh, we adore our hobbies. We adore our pursuits. Uh, but uh, in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, the second character, of course, is Enoch, and he walked with God. And his uh, defining uh, moment in his life when his boy, little boy Methuselah was born, and um, he walked with God for a period of time, and then one day he disappeared. The scripture says he was a preacher of righteousness, Jude 14 and 15. He was a type of the believer that uh, was raptured before the tribulation came. Now, I know that in our culture today, when I was first started to study the Bible, everybody believed in the pre-tribulation rapture. That simply means that the rapture takes place before the tribulation takes place on earth. But now there are a lot of people who believe in what's called the mid-tribulation rapture. And to me, it, it doesn't make a lot of difference what people believe about that. Uh, for sure, we know that the rapture is coming because the Bible says it is. And uh, we need to be ready for it and try to get others ready for it too. I was sitting in a, a Holiday Inn in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, one time with the mission director, Dave Bovard, who has now passed away from Sharon, Pennsylvania, Independent Gospel Missions. And we were sitting there in the, the Holiday Inn because we were afraid. They were burning tires in the street, and I heard gunshots right outside the, 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 the gate of the hotel in Haiti, Port-au-Prince. Uh, the pastors came to us. We were afraid to go to them. They came to us. And so the pastors, uh, from a number of pastors from around the country, came in there to talk to us. And uh, they thought they were living in the tribulation. And if you visited that country, you'd think the tribulation had already begun. Uh, Enoch was a picture of those who are going to be raptured before the tribulation begins. Uh, he walked with God. I believe uh, sincerely that there's going to be a whole group of people that are going to be taken in the rapture uh, when the Lord comes back again to harvest his church from off the earth before the events of Revelation begin to take place on the, on the face of the earth. But there's going to be another group of people, Noah typified them, that's going to be saved through the tribulation. Some people are going to be ta taken before the tribulation. Others are going to be saved through the tribulation. And that's Noah. Noah worked for God. Uh, he was a person who exhibited faith. Uh, what does faith mean? Well, it means a lot. Of, it means that he believed in an invisible spiritual order. 
he believed that God's word was authoritative and he acted upon it. He believed in the promises of God. If God said it was going to, they were going to need an ark, he believed that. And he believed that he would be rewarded for diligently seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord. Uh, Jesus refers to uh, Noah in the New Testament. I'm sure we have that. Matthew 24, 36. Let's read it. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Let's go to the next one, please. For as in the days before the flood... They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now, these are the words of Jesus, and Jesus so brings Noah up as, a, as an illustration, and he says, listen, uh, whenever the world is going to be shutting down, the end times are coming, it's going to be just like it was before the end times came in Noah's day. They were eating and drinking. Now, we can't read too much into that. That means they were just going along. Some people have said that refers to pleasure. They were just doing their thing. They were marrying and giving in marriage. And it's interesting that he brings this up here because the thing that really exploded the world that then was, the really thing that brought the awesome anger and destruction of God on the earth was the intermarriage of the spiritual and unspiritual in the book of Genesis. And uh, you're familiar with that. Uh, the casual approach, the destruction of marriage. And, of course, we, we have that today, don't we, in our society. 2 Timothy 3, 4 says that in the last days, men will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You know, and I always struggle with that. Because, you know, I, I, I think because I'm an American that I like to have a good time. How many people like to have a good time? Would you raise your hand? You're good time people, aren't you? And sometimes I struggle with that, and I think, you know, I'm just having too much of a good time. And I don't want my good times to, to be so good that uh, they eclipse my love for God. Can I? Isn't that worth an amen? I, you know, that bothers me. It really does. You know, I, I love to go out and travel and do things that are interesting and see the world and interact and, and, and all this stuff. And sometimes I think, you know, I just, I think I love this too much. I don't want to love it too much. I want to love God more than that. And so I struggle. Uh, Jesus says, it, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day of the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, the price of their faith. Okay, we'll wind this up right here. Uh, Abel worshipped God. Uh, what price did he pay? It cost him his life. You know, I printed up. I have all this stuff. Uh, I printed off the Internet. Uh, Christians are being persecuted all over the world. Do you know that? Uh, it's, it's incredible. Uh, here's an article that says, Christians are being persecuted on a biblical scale. Um, a news team went to Iraq and they went into uh, a church and, uh, in Baghdad. And this is what they said. The room is filled with children. It's full of women. But I don't see any men. Where are they? Scott Pelley. He's a reporter. They said, well, they're mainly killed. Some are kidnapped. Some are killed. 
in the last six months, things have gotten particularly bad. They have taken all the leadership away from the church and killed them. They're all dead. But we never got the bodies back. We had funerals, but we didn't have any bodies. Many Iraqi Christian churches are destroyed or abandoned. The congregation is smuggled in and out of secret places for meetings. That's in Iraq. In Iran, there's two, two young girls right now that converted to Christianity, and they're going to trial, and, the, and, and they're asked to recant their faith, and if not, uh, they could kill them. And uh, they, say, they ask them to, to recant, and they said, listen, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. And, you know, I, I have a list, and it just goes from one country to the next. Uh, all over the world, uh, people are sealing their, their, their fate with, the, with their own blood. Abel, uh, he did. Enoch walked with God. Uh, what price did he pay? I'm sure that if you're alone and you walk with God, there's that isolation factor. And then Noah worked for God. And, you know, I think Noah really suffered from disappointment because only seven other people believed his message. Don't you think that would be disappointing? Um, well, this is God's divine order right here. I've given it to you this morning. Let's put it together and try to remember it. We have those last three words. God wants us to worship him first, to walk with him second, and to work with him third. Don't get this out of balance because if you go down there to the bottom thing and say, Lord, put me to work for you, you will run out of gas real quick. You will be working in your own energy. But if you worship and you walk with the Lord, I'll tell you what, he'll give you the energy and the work that, that you so desire in your heart. Let's bow our heads in prayer. As we uh, conclude our service today, I, uh, I just want to ask you to look into your heart and uh, see what you can find there this morning. Maybe you've been working and working for the Lord and uh, maybe you haven't been having your time of daily, daily adorations. I, uh, I want to encourage you to, to go back there. Uh, you might say, well, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be very sophisticated at it. Yeah, I know. But, you know, that's not what counts. It's not how many scriptures you can quote it's not how cool you sound in the presence of God. It's, it's your heart. And so I want to encourage you to write down some praise verses and read them to God. Just go to the book of Psalms and find some verses that lift up God and write them down and, and come as a beginner to worship him. And then begin to walk with him. Uh, Practice his presence. And then God will give you a work to do in the world. And uh, you will be a, a fulfilled person. Dear Lord, move among us today. Help us to uh, put your order and to practice in our life. To worship you, to walk with you, and to work for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.